0: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the two worlds podcast and with me tonight is the Fandral and Hogan to my Volstag. it's Casey and our first ever guest Drew
1: so Drew welcome I'm the first ever guest I didn't know that yeah well, yeah all right cool <laughs> yeah we we tried to
2: have mike on one time but the audio just was terrible but then you
1: said that you didn't want to waste the first one on him and like yes, yes. I mean, yes that's exactly you had to get somebody special <laughs> and <then> they weren't <laughs> available
0: i was we are very happy to have you um how how has
1: your week been it's been good uh i, I long weekend away from work which was nice um I bought stuff. I bought comics. That's that's what I did. What'd and, you pick up? I uh, I genuinely. Oh, I I, I think um, I I honestly can't remember. But like I bought I, I bought uh, you know since it was Labor Day weekend there was a Labor Day weekend sale, so I bought some trades um, and uh, one that like people have been telling me to read forever. I got uh, uh, the first volume of Harrow County. Sure. Uh, by Colin Bunn. And I can't remember the artist on that. Um, but I've heard good things about it. And so I, I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. Excellent. Well, um, just so
0: everybody knows, Drew is a friend of mine through my comic book shop, Comic Headquarters.
1: He's on, been uh, coming
0: there. Telegraph Road. On Telegraph in, Road. In St.
2: Louis, Illinois. Or Missouri. <laughs> Not Illinois. Yes, yeah, St. Louis, Illinois. For- <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but he he was shopping there before I owned it. And I'm very glad that he continued to shop there because I like him as a person quite a bit. Uh, we have a lot of good conversations every week about the books that we read. And Drew has a very good taste in comics, which is why I wanted him <laughs> on
1: this show. So. Just don't get me started on uh, my taste in Star Wars, because then we'll just argue. Uh, not necessarily. Casey's not a big Star Wars guy either. Yeah. <laughs> so I, love Star- in. I love Star Wars. Just we like different movies. That, we know that, that is true. That is true. Uh, but before we get
0: into uh, Drew... <laughs>
2: phrasing but i was uh, gonna say this is this is going a lot different than i expected
0: (laughs) we will of course talk about the news of the week um i might have one or two more than casey so i will go first uh so ben kingsley is going to return as trevor slattery for the wonder man series on disney plus uh casey any thoughts on that i mean he's funny it's just a waste of Ben Kingsley. Yeah, I don't disagree. Drew, and anything, any opinion on that?
1: Um, I don't know that I would say it's a waste of Ben Kingsley because I don't really know what ben-, ben Kingsley is up to these days. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that he was Gandhi and then he was in Iron Man 3. And like, that's that's what I remember about Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, i I think that uh, I think he's an interesting character. Um, I thought it was cool that they brought him back for Shang Chi. Uh, I don't know. It, it, same thing. Like he's funny. He's it's a funny character. Uh, I hope to see more of him uh, with that little animal thing from <laughs> Shang Chi, whose name I can't remember.
0: And I wouldn't know because I have not seen it.
1: Well, yeah, spoiler I... alert—he's <laughs> in it. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things though where it's mm-hmm. like, when he was the villain in Iron Man, he's awesome, and then like it just come becomes the comedy character. It's like I just want him to be like the awesome villain instead. I just think that's more suited to him. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to get that so
0: i know <laughs> we don't know
1: what yeah, if that's a, what true if, what if he is like a huge villain all, again in uh in wonder man yeah. he's like psych
2: on the psych i'm still a villain well it's this time it's going to be like hollywood related because he's an actor and you know wonder man's an actor so it's gonna be like a child pedophile ring or something just that's oh, what that's, that's, that's what they're doing for wonder man they're gonna do uh
1: the the adventures of wonder man and pizza gate there we go perfect
0: man you know i i wasn't i've never really read like a core avengers title but i definitely wasn't reading it when wonder man was a big part of that team so when it comes to like marvel characters i i know next to nothing about wonder man
2: it doesn't help that he has got such a weird like crazy power structure because like there's i've seen so many different versions and then i'm in the same boat as you have not read a lot of them and then it's also like different you know like
1: he's died hundreds of times or whatever and all that stuff so i also so it, sorry go ahead the one thing that i know about wonder man is uh that like his personality was what like made the visions personality mm-hmm. is that correct yeah uh, and so like my my I don't read a ton of Marvel, but like the the uh, the everything I know about the vision comes from the Tom King vision run.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I thought they had a I, I thought there was a cool spin on the character in that where like they see each other as brothers and he's like, uh, you know, he's the uncle to like visions, you know, uh, constructed kids um i thought that was a cool dynamic and i feel like we won't get that in the show oh yeah because vision's already been a thing so right i don't know if they can somehow find a way to connect it then i think that would be cool but it would i think at this point it would seem like a retcon of vision um yeah. or maybe yeah. maybe it'll be a new vision yeah that that's true we don't really know what's going on with him
0: right now so yeah <laughs> All right. Uh, Casey, you want to take one?
2: Uh yeah. So I think this is going to make you happy, Jake. Uh Takawatiti sounds like he's probably not going to return to Thor after the critical reception of Love and Thunder. So how happy does that make you?
0: Uh, it does make me happy, but I feel like whoever takes his place, you know, Marvel's going to tell them to, you know, keep it funny. So, yeah. I, I would rather just not have another Thor movie if it's going to be anywhere close to the absolute dumpster fire that Love and Thunder was. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't seen it yet. Yeah, you're not missing much. Drew, yeah. did you did you watch it and
1: did you I, like it? I saw it. Um, I liked it, but I definitely had like more issues with it. Um, than I did like I really I, I, I know how you feel about Ragnarok I really like Ragnarok um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is because I do I like Taika Waititi as a filmmaker and so I thought saw it as like more of just one of his movies versus a Thor movie um, but I also think that there are a lot of moments in Ragnarok that work really well um, that maybe just have like a, a lighthearted spin on them uh, in uh, Love and Thunder I think there's a lot, it left a lot to be desired. I didn't hate it, but at the same time, like when I left, I didn't feel like, Oh, hell yeah. I want to go see another Thor movie right now. You know, (laughs) um, as for him, like leaving, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I I kind of agree with you that I think that like Marvel's probably going to tell whoever comes in next to, to do the same tone. Um, but maybe they won't who who knows maybe they'll do
2: something new yeah i mean it might just depend on if they if we can get like if they can get like a good director that they you know like how like sam Ramy got dr strange if they do the same thing with the you know thor if like a director is like oh i want to do thor and it's like martin score says he's like i want to do thor they're not going to tell him you know to taco with tt it up
1: so they yeah, like, like who they get? They get, they get Peter Jackson to come in and do Thor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think you made Jake so happy, Pete a little.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I would love that, but it would be probably like a five-hour
0: movie. Let's be real. And you'd see it opening night. Oh, I would, yeah. and I'd probably really enjoy it. <laughs> and um, then it ends up being like Thor, but the Frighteners. oh man i mean at this point i feel like uh you know giving a new spin on the character isn't such a bad idea but anywho moving right along did you guys hear uh on like social media this last week the drama around the uh the kyle rayner hispanic month cover did you guys see this yeah it was i I did yeah wasn't it all the Hispanic?
2: like people were mad about all the hispanic heritage ones but like kyle's was like this one right
0: this one was pretty rough so for those that don't know uh dc is doing like a hispanic heritage month with their variant covers which is nothing new um but the one by jorge molina which uh featured kyle rayner green lantern uh got changed quite a bit and i don't understand why it was even changed to begin with because the original was a gorgeous cover i i'm sure you guys saw it since Mm -hmm. you're familiar with this but dc changed it to have kyle standing there with like a bag of tamales in his hand and it was just all sorts of it was funny but not in the right way like it Mm -hmm. was terrible just absolutely terrible um since that story dropped oh this was for titans united blood pact number one uh but since all this has come out dc has decided that they're going to release the original one that melina did um which just is all around better anyway so uh um, i'm glad that they did that but also it shouldn't have got to that point
2: yeah so it's just all of them, all of them had food too. That's why I think it's funny with each of the covers. They're like, This is this is what Hispanic people are to us. It's the tacos. <laughs> right. That's basically what they said. It was
1: terrible. I I so like as for the like why that original cover got changed, uh I don't know how true this is. Um, I did say Jorge Molina basically said like the original cover was never approved and it wasn't supposed to be released to the public. Like nobody was supposed to see it because DC never approved it. And uh, I read somewhere, I don't remember where, and I have no idea if it's like corroborated or if it was just like speculation or whatever, but uh, it's because the, the original one is like a riff on uh, a famous painting. I can't remember the name of the painting, Um, but apparently like, that painting um, is adherent to very specific copyright laws in Mexico. And so DC did not have the permission to do that cover uh, because of the similarities to the, uh, uh, the original painting. Um, at some point they must've gotten them because obviously it's, it's being released uh, as the standard cover now. So I think that's why the change happened Um, but yeah, the, the change was like, just, you know, it, it wasn't good. (laughs) And, and Jorge Molina expressed that he felt it wasn't good, uh, in so many words, you know, I think his, originally his tweet was like, only one of these has my signature on it. And that's all you need to know. (laughs) Right. A very diplomatic approach to it for
0: sure. Um, okay. Casey.
2: Yeah, uh, so there's been a whole bunch of scoopers out there, like talking that uh, Ben and Henry Cavill are both going to be back as Batman, Superman. It's they're saying it's just it's for sure going to happen. More than just like little cameos, like we might even see a new Batman movie and a new Superman movie. So some people are saying take that with a grain of salt, but others are like this is for for sure happening.
0: I mean, I definitely as we say almost every week on this show, we want another Henry Cavill Superman Mm -hmm. movie. Um, I don't really have thoughts too much one way or the other about another Affleck, like, or a Affleck Batman movie, but I don't know why they do that. If they're, if they're going to be pushing, um, Oh my gosh, him—the other guy? No, no, Pattinson. no, the other one. Oh, Pattinson. yes, Robert Pattinson. His movie, different universes. I know uh, it is, but that everybody complains about. You know, the DC movies don't make sense. Which, whatever. But that's not going to help.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, having those movies in and Joker in general aren't going to help though, because they're so different than the more comic booky style they want to do for the other. So, and, I don't know. I think. I think that they can easily pull it off because Batman's money, you know. So yeah, I, I'm I, I
1: would I would love to see uh, a new Henry Cavill Superman movie, like a solo Superman movie with him, with like a good story, good direction. I would I would I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not care to see Ben Affleck as Batman ever again. Uh, n- n- not just because, like, I thought the movies that he was in were kind of bad, and I didn't like the direction that they they did Batman. But uh, I'm just tired of hearing people talk about it. G- mm-hmm. Genuinely, that's uh, fair. I-, I spend a lot of time um, on like, you know, on Reddit and between like uh, the movies subreddit and the Batman subreddit. It's just like people love talking about Ben Affleck. Um, but in my opinion, everything that people love about the Ben Affleck Batman has very little to do with him. Like they say, the hallway or the 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 warehouse fight scene. That's the first thing that anyone tends to bring up. Um, and it's a stunt man or or CGI. It's more more mostly CGI. Very little of that is Ben Affleck, and you could just do that with another actor. Like, uh, I don't know. And I say this like as somebody who kind of I like Ben Affleck. Uh I just don't I think that he his his probably through no fault of his own, uh the movies that he was in where he played Batman just left such a bad taste in my mouth that I, I just don't care. I'm and I'm I'm probably never going to care.
2: That's that's a hundred
1: percent fair because I mean I was
2: about the same way but then like after i watched the oh like the extended edition batman v superman i was like you yeah, know it's not it's not near as bad as the original batman v superman and then like the snyder cut i liked him in that and it's just like i enjoy like he does a really good job of balancing batman and bruce wayne which i like and like i'm like if they get a good right you know like good writing and a good director on there I think he could be an awesome Batman, but I 100% I get having a bad taste because, oh boy,
1: (laughs) there is some real bad moments for him. I, I really think that the only way that you could do, like, like you could really do a good Affleck Batman solo movie is if you just made it very explicitly known that it's the same actor and he looks the same, but it's it you just disregard every movie that came before because like the character arc of of Batman, like it just doesn't it it feels so incomplete and unwarranted throughout those movies to me. Mm-hmm. It just you would you would have to just be like ah it's different somehow like and that's that's it and like give them a whole new thing to go through. Honestly, like the the
2: rumors that are out there are kind of like hinting that they're going to try to do like a soft reboot for Affleck and Superman, but keep it the same for Wonder Woman. Which you know it's like DC's like we're we're going to try to reboot this like as easy as possible. So like they might be trying to do something similar to that when they do this. So we'll just have to see yeah
0: it also really annoys me that it takes uh it takes a director's cut to make me enjoy those more
1: like yeah <laughs> the theatrical cut should be good enough to make yeah mm-hmm. buddy, but i've i've seen the ultimate cut of uh mm-hmm. uh batman versus superman and i i it i don't think it makes it a good movie but it's it's better only mm-hmm. because they there are entire very important plot points and story beats that just get mm-hmm. cut from the theatrical run and I have no idea why that was the case. I have no idea who made that decision.
0: Yeah. I agree it, completely.
1: It almost feels like it was it, it that decision was made just to justify a theatric or a, a director's cut DVD release. Yeah, <laughs> hey, maybe it was. <laughs> Okay, so I
0: I had this in the news because it was getting late in the week and I had like nothing. But at this point, it's in. So we're going to talk about it. (laughs) There is going to be a new Beverly Hills cop movie with Eddie Murphy at Netflix, and it's also going to star Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So are either of you
1: Beverly Hills cop fans? (laughs) I am not. I've, I've 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 never seen either either of the movies. Oh, there, uh, there's, there's
0: more than two, Drew. There's three, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's has... like three or four.
1: <laughs> um, I've never seen any of them. Uh, and they've always been on my like on my list of movies that I'm going to watch someday. And I just never have. Uh, I know that song, though, and that song is good. Yeah, so yeah. if that if, if if it makes that song popular again, I, I welcome it. I, I'll tell you what I think is really interesting coming back to Ben Affleck about, you know, this, there's going to be a connection here. Uh, Ben Affleck did that movie Gili. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can't remember the guy's name. What was it? Martin. His last name's breast Uh, directed Beverly Hills cop. He also directed Gili and that's the movie that made him retire. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's
2: yeah, it's, it's a very special movie. So have you seen Beverly Hills cop, Jake?
0: The first one. Yeah.
2: All right. Should the, Three of us just make a Beverly Hills cast where we watch all of the Beverly Hills cops, Beverly Hills
1: ninja, and Beverly Hills 902. I've seen Beverly Hills ninja, (laughs) I have too. I saw that in the theater with my dad. I mean, (laughs) I'm saying do this for the cast though. Yep, every every Beverly Hills movie, the entire Beverly (laughs) Hills verse. Yep, (laughs) yes, (laughs) yeah, and and then uh, Beverly Hills the beverly hills cop series beverly hills ninja you said 90210 yep uh Mm -hmm. also uh yeah Yeah. the weezer song beverly hills oh yeah how did how could i forget we don't know
0: it's casey is a massive weezer fan so it's it's
1: part of it now you'd have to get rivers cuomo on the podcast as a guest i'll start tweeting him now Um,
0: okay, and then this is like so minuscule, I'll just throw this in too. but uh Brennan Gleason was cast for an unknown role for Joker 2. So I I really need to watch Joker one of these days uh sooner than later. I'm liking some of these casting choices. I really like Brennan Gleason as an actor, so I'm curious to see who he's going to be in that movie.
2: Okay I ha- I know the name, but who is he? um. In Bruges.
1: okay that's what i thought yeah so uh yeah i don't know well I'm, we'll see I'm, what happens i'm uh number one i think that's uh i i'll watch anything he's in i think mm-hmm. he's great um uh i'm going to guess he's playing penguin uh, i can see it. I, yeah i could see that for sure you heard um, it here
0: first, folks. I don't. I don't know if
1: they would. I don't know if they would use Penguin since he was such a big part of the Batman movie. But I also think that like Warner Brothers kind of just isn't really caring who uses what right mm-hmm. now. Uh, in in some ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I mean, if he's playing like a mob boss, that would be cool. Maybe he gets a. Maybe he gets like a solo song since it's a it's a musical <laughs> right we can dream Which, I think that's a really cool idea like I I, I don't know uh, I've talked to some of those some of the the kids I teach and they brought it up just like why would they make it a musical and I was like I think that's kind of interesting it it, it got people talking about it mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it did I mean Lady Gagas Harley Quinn I mean she's obviously. Uh, a successful artist and might be able to bring something to the movie who knows
1: and i wonder if they're gonna go like the route of like joker was such it, it was just like a spin on classic scorsese movies so like maybe this is a spin on classic musicals
0: yeah i i don't know like you think they'll they'll single one
1: out or you think
0: it'll just be in general?
1: Probably, I mean, just in general, that's that's what it feels like, you know, if they were going to like continue that same kind of like uh, formula from the first one, you know, just borrow from here and there, uh, maybe a few like big ones. And then maybe they do like the third movie borrows from some other genre. Yeah. Third one's going to be a silent film. That's (laughs) (laughs) I think that would work for sure.
2: Maybe the third one they'll borrow from uh, Marvel movies. There you go.
1: <laughs> They'll get Taika Waititi to direct. Yeah. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> okay, so we got a Agatha Harkness TV show rumor, which I think is the show Jake's most excited about. Uh, it's going to get <laughs> Nico uh, Minoru from The Runaways. She's supposed to be in it, which it's like, I hope, I kind of hope she is because I watched a couple episodes of The Runaways and I love the comics so much. And it's like such an it would be such an easy thing to adapt, and they did such a bad job, but they did such a good job of casting. So I'm like, at least I'm hoping she's in this and she gets to play Nico well, because it was terrible in the show.
0: Is that the girl with the staff? Yep. Okay. I clearly don't know anything about runaways. <laughs> uh, you should have you read Runaways? You should read it.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's, it's like, one of Casey's favorites, and he he's tried to get me to over the years.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that the the Brian K. Vaughn written run is great. I haven't read anything after that, but uh. like Rainbow, like Joss Whedon took over for a little bit, and it was
2: fine. But then when Rainbow took it over, she was a fan of Brian K. Vaughn's run, so she kind of like kept going with his stuff. But everything in between that's just kind of like you're you're fine missing it.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what, what I've heard about it. But I mean, those, it's like what, like six or seven, uh, trade paperbacks. Yeah. It's of, a lot on run. And they, they go really quickly because they're just like really fun reads. And i I kind of felt the same way that you did about the show. Uh, like I, I, I watched the first season, um, and I thought it was kind of just okay. Um, it didn't keep my interest the way that the book did but i did like the casting of all the characters mm-hmm. quite a bit and but it's like with the show
2: they, they there's so many different things like the comic sets up and like kind of like builds builds to like molly's powers like you don't know molly has superpowers until like the third issue or fourth issue and then the show it's like first episode she moves a car you're like oh yeah. you're ruining things right off the bat okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw these wacky rumors, but there are rumors going around that Todd McFarlane is taking over DC comics. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, so he uh he's publishing some DC comics to go with his uh toy line. Uh they're called the toys are called Page Punchers. Mm-hmm. Um but then there's one for like the Flash and Injustice. Um, I think there was a another one or two. I'm blanking on. Oh, Black Adam. Um, and I think that's it. So, you know, people are thinking that with like the shakeups going on, uh, DC, that Todd might just take over uh, everything. <laughs> so
2: that'd be that'd be interesting.
1: Are those? Yeah. Are the the comics that come with those toys? Are those original stories or are those reprints? I I don't know. I I couldn't find out. Whenever I was looking into this, I just assumed that they were they were some reprint because like like stuff that Marvel used to do with like the toy biz stuff back in the day.
0: Right. I mean, I would have assumed so as well, but um, but I I couldn't find. I couldn't find like a writer or an artist or anything on it. And, and like they show, well, let's see for black Adam, the cover shows Scott I've seen that one, and yeah. Kirkham. Um, so I'm not sure which Scott they're talking about there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I, I really, I don't think that, that is a thing. Like I know that that Todd puts out all the you know the DC direct stuff and and whatever, but I really don't think that he has the time, no. you know, to be honest. I mean, he's too busy running a million dollar, millions of dollars toy company. So I don't think he's gonna take over DC Comics.
2: Yeah, I doubt that too. But my last bit of rumors, uh, this is I I'm not buying this because, like, with the people that they say might be playing it, I, I just I'm not buying this. But uh, apparently, Disney's gonna announce at D23 that John Boyega, Henry Cavill, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, John Krasinski, uh, Jodie Comer, I don't know, and Denzel Washington will be coming to MCU. Uh, Jodie and John are gonna be uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. Henry Cavill is gonna be Hyperion. Giancarlo Esposito, um, Professor X, Denzel Washington is going to be Magneto or Blue Marvel, and John Boyega is going to be Cyclops. And I'm personally not buying any of that because all the X Men characters, like all the, I don't think they can announce anyone who's going to be an X Men until the contracts drop for the old ones. I think that's something that, that was actually stated already. So I don't think that's a thing at all. But yeah, I mean, and then the, there's been already debunkings of the John Krasinski playing Mr. Fantastic because he's too busy, so I
1: don't know. I, think, uh, I think if any of those hold any water, it's pro- probably Jodie Comer playing. Uh, uh, you said it was, it was Invisible Woman, right, Yeah. Storm? Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, only because I can't see somebody like Denzel Washington. No like coming to the mcu um maybe his son i could see his son having a role in the mcu but like him i don't know it seems to me that he probably is wanting to focus more on like dramas or just straight up action flicks these days
2: yeah like i could see him doing like a one-off for the mcu just like as a chadwick boseman thing since he was very close to him Mm -hmm. but that's the only way i could see that ever being a thing but People are convinced he's going to be Magneto.
1: (laughs) I've seen that rumor before. And I mean, I don't know. I think that Marvel has a real pickle on their hands with casting Magneto in general, uh, because we're so far removed from World War II that like to keep that story intact, you would have to do some kind of like, oh, he's a mutant. So he ages slowly kind of thing and if that's the case why not use somebody younger because then you can use them for more time uh or or just you know have to accept that like magneto is super old now well my
2: my one thought with magneto what they could do you know with the make it so the holocaust still happens for him is king of the Conqueror is going to be a thing you got time travel then And just have him fall through the time travel cracks or whatever. I mean, that's,
1: that's possible too. But I almost think that that like, kind of, I don't know. Like the idea that like you lived, like you survived the Holocaust and then have to live this entire time Mm -hmm. with that. Like that's, that's more compelling of a character than just like, Oh, it was yesterday that you were, you know, escaping from a concentration camp or, you know, like it was, yes, you know, you, you, you left the, the, you, you, you survived the Holocaust and then like a couple years go by. And, you know, it was like the, the, I think that it took a lot of wit, a lot of the wind out of the sails of like the motivation for Thanos in end game, because he kind of wasn't the same Thanos that, you know, because of like timey-wimey stuff mm-hmm. he's not the same Thanos that uh uh you know snapped everybody and and stuff like that and it almost kind of in in some way like yeah he's he has that potential but he didn't have that and I don't want to see that happen to Magneto that like he loses out on years and years and years of of you know backstory development
0: yeah well but- no. Well, I'm sure we'll know very soon if that has any merit because that's coming up really soon isn't it
1: I yeah I think it's this week <laughs> or next week yeah uh d23 yeah yeah it's it's definitely like soon I don't know exactly when and then like uh they also have Disney plus day which is like that's a different day right I, think I honestly so, yeah. have no idea. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of announcements right? soon. All right.
0: Our final bit of news. Casey and I both wrote it in the notes, uh, but DC canceled Fandom this year. They, they put did? out a statement. Yep. I didn't did. know that. They put out a statement saying it's because more in-person events are happening again, uh, and they'll just save big announcements for that, but I mean with with the recent merger and them, like axing everything I think that's just kind of part of all that and that's mm-hmm. their that's their excuse for it really um it's a shame cuz I think fandom was super cool but you know
1: whatever I don't know uh if I'm allowed to say this but like I'm going to say it anyway uh so uh they announced they released that teaser trailer uh for that justice league video game i wrote uh so like i wrote a justice league video game it's it's coming out sometime next year that's really all i know about it but when i was still uh kind of in contact with the uh development team on that they were like yeah fandom is like when we're gonna start getting details for it so now i have no idea like (laughs) what's going on with that yeah i i don't know i mean i feel like
0: If, if they were gonna say it's because more you know in person events are happening, then they they should have had some stuff ready for like San Diego. and yeah. I know that like New York is still coming up and and whatnot, but I don't know it just it just kind of feels like a rush excuse in my opinion. but anyway, all right, that's it for the news. so we're gonna take our ad break and then um then we'll get more in depth with our our guest drew here so uh hang tight and we'll be right back all right well folks uh thanks for listening to the ad um as always we've got a little uh, youtube exclusive over on the youtube channel it's two worlds podcast on youtube where uh we all talk about video games and we extend our uh, our video game question that we had last week to drew and he gives us some cool ideas about that. So uh, moving on. Drew, I, I sort of gave you a couple a couple things that we were going to ask you. So it wasn't just on the spot. If you're like me, I, if somebody's like, what's your favorite comic? I just I can't think of a single comic book I've ever read. Um, but I did ask for a top five favorite comic series of all time, according to
1: Drew. So, okay. Let's hear it. And so uh I I I did think about that and it was tough. So, um I'm not really these these aren't really going to be in order, but um they're going to seem incredibly cliché too. Uh my favorite comic series of all time is Sandman. Um that 75 issue run and then like the couple specials they did. To me that's like that's like the pinnacle of storytelling it's my favorite piece of fiction regardless of medium uh and I I I mean I love Sandman I I could talk about it forever and I have (laughs) and I will continue to do so um I think Dark Knight Returns is Dark Knight Returns is really important to me um and I have a lot of thoughts on Dark Knight Returns just because it's like I don't think that people should really think of that as a Batman story per se more like it's just a story that uses Batman as the device to tell the story Um, and so like to me I think it's more interesting when you read Dark Knight Returns that way versus just seeing it as like another Batman story and I think whenever people do think of it as just like another Batman story um they tend to kind of just be like okay why is this so great you know um but i i think that dark Knight returns is uh still immensely interesting to 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 pay attention to and to like kind of deconstruct what's going on in uh uh in the panels and like analyze how Frank Miller was incorporating the different like literary devices visually. I think that book's incredible. Whenever you think of it that way, um, I'm. I have to say, Watchmen. Uh, Watchmen is just, it's so good. Everything. I mean, everyone said everything that needs to be said about Watchmen, but I'll I'll still sing its praises all the time. Um, I teach Watchmen in my senior level English class. Uh, and every time I read it, I find something new that I've never noticed before. Um, non-superhero book. I guess Sandman's not really a superhero book, but you know, the, this one is definitely not a superhero book. Uh, Scout, the Vertigo book, is my favorite crime series ever. Uh, uh, Jason Aaron wrote it. Uh, art by R.M. Guerra, uh, with a few guest artists here and there it is incredible uh, and it kind of flies under the radar especially now because it doesn't seem like DC is reprinting it um, so it's like uh, it's a Vertigo series it is a hard-boiled crime series the best way to describe it is it's HBO's The Wire but instead of taking place in Baltimore it takes place on a Native American reservation in South Dakota. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it is some of the most heartbreaking stories I've ever read. Uh, culturally relevant. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, a very important landmark in the medium of comics. And I wish more people read it because I wanna talk to people about it all the time. But I also kinda like that people haven't read it because then I get to recommend them something new. Um, it's one of those books that I wish that I, I, I constantly wish that I could read for the first time again. Um, and that's four, five. Um, Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I got to think about what number five would be because (laughs) like at this point, like the stuff that I was thinking about is kind of gone from my head and I'm with you now. I can't, I can't think of a single comic book that i've read um
0: i mean that's okay if if, you know you you gave us a really solid four so Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) i think uh you know what i'll 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 go um again kind of a cliche you know what actually i'm gonna break the cliche i was gonna say preacher i was gonna say preacher um but I'm going to say a book that's just about to finish up, Deadly Class. Uh, Rick Remender and uh, Wes Craig. Uh, I've been reading that book since issue one dropped. Uh, It is about to finish. The next issue that comes out is the final issue. Uh, So later this month, that that book's going to end. Um, And I think it's been... uh, Eight years since the first issue came out something like that um and it is i mean if you've never read uh a book that wes craig has done the art on he is incredibly creative with how he like lays out some of his pages um there are pages that like where there's just repeating panels but he skews them in such a way that it looks like You know, you're obviously looking at a two dimensional page, but it looks like it has the the entire page has turned Uh, super cool stuff. Um, And then like me being a guy who, uh, you know, grew up listening to like punk rock and hardcore punk bands and stuff like that. It just spoke to me in such a way that like, yeah, it's a story about a, a group of kids who go to the school that teaches them to be the next generation of the world's greatest assassins but it's also about kids who like go see punk rock bands you know they sneak out of that school and they go see the adolescents in one issue and and, uh, a lot of times when a lot of times when writers um, try to include like subcultures of any kind really but especially punk because like that's what i'm deeply familiar with they do it in a way that's just like weird and wrong like they saw an episode of full house where somebody wore a leather jacket and danny tanner was mad about it and then like that's what they based their entire opinion of punk on uh just like a a series of cliches and just like but this one actually feels like it was written by people who experienced that and and you know i've heard rick Remender talk about his experiences coming up in that scene, and it—it, uh, it, I mean, it—it it rings true. Um, even stuff I was—I mean, I've—I've I've been in punk bands uh, since I was 13 years old, and I mean, it's it, even though this story mostly takes place in the 80s, it still is touching on stuff that like rings true to me because I've experienced that that type of stuff
0: right on. Well, thank you for sh- for sharing your favorites there. Definitely a solid lineup. Um I also asked about
1: maybe three of your least favorite comic books. Okay. My number one least favorite comic book that I've ever read in the history of my time reading comics is I don't want to say it. I don't want I don't want to harp on it cuz he just recently died, but Neil Adams Batman Odyssey it's so bad <laughs> it's like unbelievably bad um it's like it, it's the first issue of the book feels like you're reading a bunch of like continuations of stories but you didn't read the stuff leading up to it. And it just kind of like jumps from thing to thing, from idea to idea without necessarily tying them all together or anything. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to read. Uh, And it's like, it's framed in a weird way. Like there's a framing device that Batman is telling Alfred a story about a time he told, Tim Drake a story, so already it's confusing because you don't know who's who, uh, and like, like you don't know which story is the story he's telling and which story is the story he's telling the story of telling, and it's like a whole thing about like why Batman doesn't use guns, but also like Man Bat is uh, there attacking while Batman's trying to tell this story um Razal Ghul is there there's a thing about a train I don't remember I just remember that it was like <laughs> this weird like garbled mess that was just kind of like thrown into a blender it, the, the game it 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 reads like a game of yahtzee that's what it is they took a bunch of ideas and threw them in a cup shook it up and then threw them all out and then said there it is that's the story <laughs> and it's just it's 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 not fun to read it's not even so, bad in a fun way.
0: Right. I, I haven't read that, but I tried to read his Dead Man that came out a couple years ago. And it was the same thing, dude. By the end, I mean, I just had no idea what was going on the whole time.
1: Yeah, it's it's rough. It was That was the first book, I think, because it came out like relatively early into my like seriously reading comics uh, uh, career, I guess. Um, and I think that it was the first book that I was just like I'm just never going to finish this and and actually had to drop it from my uh from my pull list um, and I was so excited about it because like you know Neil Adams coming back to Batman was like a cool thing right yeah and it just wasn't wasn't fun did you ever read that one Casey
2: I think I read the first issue and then i was like i'm not doing this again
1: <laughs> it's like it it's <clears throat> that that story like the the that first issue and i think i read like 3 issues after that it just it's like it's like my mom telling me a story about a thing that she remembered once you know like <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> Like, so there's all these weird tangents, nothing makes sense. But then like, she's, she's going to tell me all about like a lot of detail that just doesn't need to be there. And then uh, by the end, I'm going to be like, you were telling me a story about somebody at, at the hospital where you work. How did we get to, you know, Peru? (laughs) Right on. if I had to pick another another bottom one uh I really hate the boys uh I I I, I've read like the first seven issues of it um I I remember whenever I first started reading comics like the boys was pretty popular and it had won awards at that point like or at least it was nominated for like Eisner's um and um you know the the i feel like whenever you first get into to comics the idea of like stuff you know a series that kind of pokes fun at superheroes is a little bit more appealing than like when you've been around for a while cuz like now that's every you know every publisher has a story like that but when you first get into it it's kind of like oh you know that that's an interesting take on things you know uh, so I read, I found like the first five issues of the boys in a bundle, uh, one time when one of my bands was on tour and I, I bought them and, uh, the first five issues is the first story arc. Um, and this was way before there was going to be a show about it, uh, anything like that. And I, I, really didn't know anything. I hadn't read preacher yet. So I do, I wasn't familiar with Garth Ennis's work. Um, and I just hated it. Uh, I read those first five issues and I was just like, this is like, it just felt like it was trying to make me laugh about things that like really aren't things to joke about. And, you know, I'm not even really a guy who's just like, oh, there are things you can't joke about, but it just wasn't well done, you know? Um, and it turned all of these very sensitive issues into like punchlines uh, I've, I, I mean anyone who knows me has heard me say it I'm sure but I think that the show does that story so much better than the book and I mean I'm not the only one who has that opinion that's a pretty common opinion uh, but it's I mean it's true it just it 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 tweaks what's in the book enough to make the show a little bit more interesting um, and in my opinion like actually like palatable Uh, and that brings me to my third book, which is (laughs) one of the books I've read. I read the whole thing in one sitting. I hated it. The movie is better, but it's still not good, in my opinion. Uh, Wanted. Uh, Mark Millar, J.G. Jones. Um, The movie is an entirely different concept. Have any have either of you? like i'm i'm sure you're familiar with the movie that's that was Mm -hmm. really popular i've only seen the
2: movie yeah i've seen seen
1: the movie have you have either you read the book no okay so the concept is entirely different the you know in the movie like uh you have uh uh james mcavoy professor x you know he's uh 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 like enlisted he's like the son of the world's greatest assassin and he gets picked up by that the by like the fraternity of assassins uh to kind of like what is it like i don't know do some jobs that he never finished or something like that um that's basically the concept right so they they you know uh they they give him a bunch of money they say hey quit your job learn how to curve a bullet you know uh hit 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 uh star lord in the face with a keyboard and you know uh (laughs) But the book is uh, has nothing to do with assassins at all. He was the son of uh, the world's greatest supervillain, and all of the supervillains effectively defeated and killed all of the world's superheroes, and then uh, did like through like some weird timeline stuff made the entire world forget that heroes and villains ever existed. Um, and that's an interesting idea for a story, but where it falls apart is that it's just edgy joke after edgy joke after edgy joke. And like, it's all like the development of the characters, interesting storytelling, they're all sacrificed just so they can make some, some jokes about, like, uh, about sexual assault and like it's just not fun it's not fun to read i remember sitting in a denny's and reading it and i was just like this sucks i'm gonna read the losers instead <laughs> that's what i did i read the first volume of the losers i uh yeah i i've
0: not done wanted i also didn't make it i don't think i finished the
1: first volume of the boys because
0: i thought wow this is just the edgiest thing i've ever read and yeah. I don't like it
1: so yeah and i I think that there is like you know i'm a, I'm a guy of a certain age who like i can appreciate good edgy humor um but it's just you know good was the operant word there and i i like preacher a lot I think preacher is a really smart book hidden under a bunch of like you know immature humor and and you know i think I think there's a lot to like about Preacher if you really sit down and analyze it. Um, but maybe that's because Garth Ennis was under other editorial constraints or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, I think that's a really good book. I, I think everything that you could get from the boys other than the superhero concept, you could just get in Preacher and it's a better package.
0: Right. Right on. Well um thank you for sharing all that with us we we decided that we were going to uh specifically talk about your favorite of all time which as you just said was sandman and casey and i both read volume one this week um casey if i remember right you said you'd had read that much before yeah okay and this was my first read of it um so before Drew, before we let you tell us why you love it so much, Casey, I just want to ask, uh, sort of your general thoughts on that first volume. It's really, really good.
2: Uh, I mean, it's enjoyable. I, I, my favorite parts, the stuff with the old, um, Destiny like that was like my from that, like, same thing when i read it the first time, the second time. It's my favorite. It was crazy. What about you?
0: I, I, I loved it. It was really good. I I had just finished the show, um, so obviously it was pretty similar to that, which yeah. is some some minor differences. Um, I should say it's written by Neil Gaiman with art by Sam Keith. Um, but yeah, I I liked it more than the show because they're able to tie it in more to the DC universe than the mm-hmm. show could. And, you know, that's not to take anything away from the show, but obviously if, if there's a chance that I can see Martian Manhunter or something like that, that's obviously going to make it better for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, uh, Drew, why don't you tell us just sort of like, you know, whenever you first read it, Do you you still feel the same or do you feel differently between now like rereading it on whichever read through you may be on it and that first time you read it and what is it about this book that just
1: uh, speaks to you? So I, I think, first of all, like what makes Sandman so interesting is that it's. I think it's an example of a book that does pull from a bunch of different things um it's not you know like it's it takes place in a superhero universe technically but it's not a superhero book and it has horror elements but it's not just a horror book and it has like connections to the weirder dc stuff but it's not a weird dc book you know like it has all of these things and really what it comes down to is it's a story about stories told with like a lot of like existential commentary uh it's i mean it's just every volume of sandman is a little bit different than the ones that came before it and there's so much like there there was i i can remember there's one volume of sandman sand in uh, volume 5 that's so wildly different than everything that came before to the point where I was just like, I don't know if I like this. And then when it was done, I was just like, cause like volume five is more of like fantasy. Like it it's fantasy. Uh, more so than, than any of the other uh, volumes that came before. Um, but when it was done uh, I kind of was like, Well, that was different, but I liked how different it was, even if it wasn't my favorite, you know? Um, I think, um, I I think I read Sandman the first time. It's gotta be like the, when I started reading, it it was like 10 years ago. And I took a long time to read it um, because a thing about me is that if I don't have to, I probably won't pay full price for a a trade paperback. So I was always waiting until I found one that was like used or on sale or something like that. Um, And so like, it took me a a long time to finish it. Uh, But it's, I mean, it's it's one that I almost think I benefited from for, for taking so long to read. Um, and that's kind of how I took the show, too. Like, I didn't binge the show. I watched, like, an episode a night for a while. Um, it's, I mean, I, it has very dark themes. I mean, you're dealing with, like, characters who not only, like, go to hell, but, like, they're on, like, first name basis with demons and, and you know, and and Lucifer. Um, but it also has a lot of really nice heartfelt moments all throughout. Um, it's the atmosphere of Sandman is crazy. Uh, you know, there are like the, I think it's the sixth issue, um, is the 24 hour diner issue, Mm -hmm. uh, which is incredibly dark and it's one of like it's not scary in the sense of like when you're reading it, you're feeling like dread or, or anything like that. You're not going to, you're not feeling like, a you know, something's going to pop out at you in your bedroom. Like when you're reading it late at night or anything like that. But like, once you actually think about what is going on with these characters and what's happening to them, like it's objectively terrifying um, from a psychological standpoint. Uh, but then like, a few issues later, uh, there's a story about a dude just like deciding, you know what? I'm never gonna die, you know. It and 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 it's like a little whimsical. Uh, it's kind of lighthearted, and it just pulls from all these things. If if Batman Odyssey is a book that's like you know doesn't know what it's doing with all the pieces, Sandman is a book that's like all the puzzle pieces fitting perfectly together in a way that there's no way that it wasn't meticulously planned from the beginning. But at the same time, it ran for for 10 years and 75 issues. There's no way it was planned out that way. You know, it's just the the creative team. I mean, Neil Gaiman's the mastermind behind it, but I think uh, the different artists that he pulled in all helped to make everything fit together perfectly. And I can honestly say that it is a book that I don't think can be improved. Uh, The only only thing that I think is a weak part of it is uh, Sam Keith's art. And he recognized that and he left the book like three issues in and they replaced him with a different artist. Um, And the, uh, like uh, uh, Mike Dringenberg, Uh, who replaced him is fits that book so much better than Sam Keith did
0: yeah I I wanted to talk about that a little bit because anytime I I see Sam Keith's name or hear his name I think of the max which I'm not like a fan of at all but I wanted to say that like I, I hate basing how I feel about an artist on like one particular thing, but sometimes I do, but seeing his work in this, I was like, Oh, this is actually like, I like this, even if it's not like, you know,
1: the best work. Sam Keith drawing Etrigan the demon in the issue when, when Morpheus goes to hell is one of the coolest things. Yeah. He he makes him like dragon-like and like, you know, way more of a lizard looking character than anybody else had did up to that point or has done since then. Uh, and it, it just looks so good. And like they, uh, I have uh, the annotated Sandman, um, which like every, it has, every single page has uh, some kind of annotation. For the most part, there are some that have none, but like a lot of them are go into like the background or even like talk about what's in the script. And like that hell issue is basically just like, neil gaiman you know saying oh we got sam keith to draw it well we have to do demons you know like and and he basically just tells sam keith do whatever you want it for the backgrounds and stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh and i i you know playing to his strengths is awesome and i mean later you have uh uh kelly jones does an issue uh later in the series um a ton of guest artists come in and and I mean, it's just it's so good, and it works so well to showcase all of their strengths. i I really, really like that hell issue. Um,
0: apart from just seeing all the crazy demons and stuff, the the little, you know, the game that Morpheus mm-hmm. plays, I thought was just like a smart, fun game. you know, mm-hmm. I whenever, whenever there's a big you know duel in hell that's not the kind of game that i would imagine them playing but yeah, uh, i'm yeah, like
1: like you're you're trying to just kind of one up the the previous person with like you know something that could defeat what the last person said, you know, and gradually like escalated. I think that's such a cool idea. And, and, and it brings in a really, first of all, it does two things that I like. Number one is that it referenced Jack Kirby uh, because uh, the demon in, in the show, they just had it be Lucifer, which I thought was fine. And I think that that episode is one of the best, Uh, but like, you know, the demon Koranzan in, uh, in the first book um, is, uh, you know, brings up anti-life you know i am anti-life the the idea that like you know you are submitting all free will to me and thus you are not really alive you know like that's it almost seems like how do you defeat that and then it brings up this philosophical that's the second thing that like it's a philosophical answer the idea that you cannot defeat hope if you have hope then nothing can defeat it um which you could argue you could you could defeat hope but this idea that if you never lose hope then nothing else can can you know you you can't succumb to anything is a very Neil Gaiman idea uh you see stuff like that all throughout his novels and stuff like that but I mean reading it in in a comic when you're mostly used to superhero comics I mean for me that was like a big moment when I was just like oh this is a book I have to keep reading
0: sure um so what what is your what's your favorite issue from volume one my
1: favorite issue from volume one um I really like the hell issue uh which I think is just called a hope in hell um I really like that one Uh, You get to see cool demons, you get that, you know, like uh, existentialist kind of, you know, commentary uh, with the oldest game. Um, It introduces a few things that eventually become uh, other plot points, Um, like, you know, uh, his ex-lover who he, he, like, banished to hell. Uh, She comes back later and is a big part of um, volume four. Uh, You also get um, uh, Lucifer being upset that Morpheus came to hell uh, and basically saying, hey, if you come back, uh, you're unwelcome and there's going to be repercussions. Um, And that is the basis of uh volume four of the book so like you get to see you know where that goes um it's a really good issue uh 24 hour diner i think is a fantastic just little like even if you just read that without the context of sandman that's just a really fun uh horror short um you know you have a group of characters who don't really know each other very well um who we later learn actually have connections some of them have connections to uh other characters who will come along um but they're all being manipulated by a person who can control their dreams uh and the i mean the, if there was one episode of the show that was kind of a disappointment to me it was that episode only because the book goes so much further with how odd and disturbing and and like horrifying it actually is. Um, and I think the show gets a little bit tame in that when it gets to that part of the story. Um, so like if if you liked the show, go read that issue in the book. Um, but man, like even in saying all that in my, in my head, I was like, Oh, it's down to those two. But then in having this conversation, I remembered that uh, issue eight uh, is the introduction of death and death is my favorite comic book character ever. Um, And it's just, I mean, it's just a stroll, a brother talking to his sister while she's at work, essentially. That's, that's the issue, (laughs) you know, but sure. But her job is very weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I really like, I really like the kind of like juxtaposition of, you know, you think of death as like this solemn character who's very sad and, you know, uh, instead you have this like kind of jaunty, upbeat, you know, girl who comes in and like she shares an intimate moment with somebody before have before that, that person's soul is like taken away to wherever it is they're going you know I, I like that idea a lot uh, the way that Sandman portrays death as a concept uh, is immensely comforting for some reason uh, as the as the story goes on as the book goes on I mean that she's a big part of of the story and uh, I mean it's just it 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 <laughs> Made me feel better about the fact that someday I'm going to die, you know, and I don't think many, many books can do that.
0: Yes, the uh, the idea that nobody is alone at the moment of their death, you know,
1: is very comforting. Uh, Not just that they're not alone, but like. They take it even further that like death legitimately cares for every living thing, you know, like she, uh, there's an issue late in the series um, where this guy sees death um, and she makes eye contact with him. And he doesn't know why she's there. She's not there for him. And he doesn't know who she is. He has no idea who she is. He just catches a glimpse of her. And the way he describes it is that like, he really wants to go with her and he doesn't know why. But just in in you know sharing those that that eye contact uh, with him, he feels like he's in love with this woman, and he's going to be in love with her for the rest of his life, and he cannot for the life of him figure out why. Uh, and I think that that's just like such a cool way to think about that that you know weird thing that we all have to deal with eventually,
0: right? Yeah, I I think that that issue probably is my favorite of the series or the series, the, the volume Um, it, you know, the, the part with the baby kind of messed me up a little bit, but like in a good way. (laughs) So it's just like, you know, he, he or she says, Oh, that that's all I get. And, you know, they have like a, a short conversation. I was like, man, this, bums me out but then you know i feel better about it afterwards but yeah you know that that's just that's not something that
1: you really get
0: any any other book
1: there's there's a there's an issue i think it's in the third volume it might be tacked on to the end of the second one but i don't think so um and i won't say who it is but like it it it's a death issue and it deals with death, encountering a character from the larger DC universe who is trying to die and just can't. Um, and when this character sees death, they're like, "Oh, great, it's happening!" And death's kind of just like, "I gotta be honest, I'm for the, I'm here for the person down the hallway, but I'll, I'll sit and talk with you and just listen to you for a little bit." And it's really nice. Uh, And it's, I mean, it's a character that I don't know if it's obscure enough that they could use in the show when they eventually get to that point. But I really hope that they do that in some way. You know, whether it's just like a regular person or, you know, this this superhero character. I just really want to see that.
0: Can I can I just make one single guess and you tell me if I'm right? Yes. Is it, uh, is it dead man? No.
2: No. Oh. Okay.
0: Uh, Casey, you said your favorite issue was the the diner.
2: Yeah, probably
1: the diner. Yeah, it's awesome that 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 issue. Like, I remember reading that for the first time and just like feeling icky. Mm-hmm. but in a good way like you know
2: yeah and like he does such a good job of like making kind of like care about each of these characters and then you're like oh this is terrible for them
1: <laughs> but I think I think what's I think what's absolutely great about that is that like he uses the like he uses their dreams to reveal information to us that we wouldn't normally get so mm-hmm. like there's like a couple who love each other but like uh when they you know when you look into their dreams like the guide dreams about murdering the wife you know mm-hmm. like stuff like that and it's just you get to really explore like how there's other stuff below what you just normally see you know and how every person has some side to them that you know they don't want you to see that can only be accessed through dreams which only like accentuates the power that morpheus actually has over humanity yeah i think the the one scene from that issue that stuck out the most
0: was uh she she has like his head on a platter or something like that and it's like and he'll be hers forever and you know it's like kind of it's like, this shouldn't be as
1: nice as it is. <laughs> it was just really interesting. If you, if you haven't, uh, you know, the like, Audible did like an audio production of Sandman. Um, that's, it follows the book really closely. Um, that issue is that, 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 you know, chapter of the audio. Uh, I, I, people call it an audio book. It's not an audio book. It's, it's an audio drama. Uh, it's like a radio show um and that story is particularly fun to listen to because of all the background sound effects and stuff and neil gaiman's uh narrating it himself so you know you get the uh kind of the way that he would be telling the story yeah
2: nice
0: um so yeah i you know i and you drew you're not the first person that told me that uh, that volume one is like as good as it is it's the weakest volume of the series Yeah, and it really so, is. It, it just it just gets better from there right which is very exciting because i really like this volume a whole lot so it's like you know i i definitely want to to keep reading the rest of it and i am just such a sucker for the little uh you know, obscure stuff to the rest of the DCU. So I'm I'm excited to see that whenever I get to it. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: it's it's all over the place too. I mean, it's it's not like it because like when the books first started, when when it first started getting published, you know, Vertigo wasn't around yet. It was part of the DC universe, and then the Vertigo imprint was created, um, kind of for Sandman and other books like it. Um, so they started to kind of distance themselves from from the larger DCU, Um, but those references are, are there all throughout it, Um, which is great. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I read, I started reading it at a time when I didn't catch all of those things. Like I didn't know what the house of mystery and the house of secrets were. Um, But now that I do know that stuff, it's uh, it's, it, it kind of adds an extra layer to that you know and then you get like uh destiny was you know a character in you know an old dc anthology host as well um you know uh lucy and the librarian uh is an old paul levitt's creation from uh uh what was it called it was called like weird ghost tales or something like that um you know, like all these old 1960s horror books, uh, you know, Gregory the, Gregory the Gargoyle was created by Bernie Wrightson, you know, like, like stuff like that, just these, these callbacks to stuff that people didn't think about for years, probably. I mean, the, the only reason I know the character Prez, the teenage president is because, Prez is a character later in Sandman. You know? Like <laughs> it's it's awesome. Uh I'm breaking, I'm doing a thing on TikTok right now where I'm breaking because like people wanted to talk about Sandman. So like I'm breaking down all the different ways that Sandman connects to the larger DC universe, whether it's just like a quick reference or like an entire character uh who um you know, had some big splash or something like that. I mean, people, people may not know this uh, because it's not in the main Sandman series. It's in the, the Endless Nights, which is kind of the unofficial 11th volume. Uh, one of the characters from Sandman is responsible for the entire DC universe existing uh, as we know it. That's, that's all I'll say about that that that's quite a big thing <laughs> it's, it's huge and it's done in such a cool way right on
0: whenever whenever casey and i uh you know read stuff like this i always ask casey is this something that you would continue reading
2: i mean after i read just the first trail i was like yeah maybe but then hearing drew talk about it now i'm like i kind of want to know who wants to kill themselves and like all these other little things I'm like i don't want to like he, he's building
1: it up really good for me so probably probably going to yeah i it's it's a thing that like sandman is so important to me i've brought it up maybe on 90 percent of all of the first dates i've had since i started reading it uh I've 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 bought people copies of Sandman just to be like the, of that first volume just to be like listen I, I don't know if you actually will but read this or like I've lent out my copies so much that like I've lent out my original copies so much that they're tattered and I had to buy new copies um, and then I kept finding more new copies so I right kept buying them no,
0: that's great uh, it was it was a good read and I I kind of whenever I asked you uh, you know, the top five, I kind of thought that this one was gonna be right up there at the tippy top. So I'm glad it gave me a reason to check out the first volume um, because I I've had had it for a long time. I have just never read it so it was it was a very good reason to do so. Um, but uh, Drew unless there's any any final thoughts you'd like to to add to that or Casey, he was well, um, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode.
1: The, the only thing I'm going to say is, uh, look out for that justice league game when it comes out. I don't make any money if you buy it just so, you know, people think I'm going to plug it just, but I'm just really proud of the story that I co-wrote with, with, uh, with some people. So that's it.
0: And we will we definitely plan on having you back on whenever that game releases because we we want to talk about that a lot more.
1: Um, especially when you're like legally able to do so. Yeah, yeah I'm still <laughs> I'm still under NDA. So like I don't I don't even know, like I probably have told you too much, but you know, the, eh, the people who fun. made it, they're they're we don't they're...
2: have a lot of listeners, don't worry <laughs> about it.
0: All right. Uh so Drew, I mean is there anything else that you would like to plug or any of your socials or anything like that? Like where can people find you if they if
1: they want to hear some more of your thoughts about Sandman or anything else? So uh I use the same uh username for like all social media. Um Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh I talk a lot more about comics on on TikTok than I do really anything else. Um but uh it's drew my first name the letter x and then the word deficit uh which you know if you don't know how to spell that figure it out <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well drew thank you very much for joining us it was a pleasure
1: hey thanks for having me
0: yeah <laughs> nice and meeting you drew likewise yeah well uh we'll have lots to talk about the next time as well and you know, real quick, we'll do our closing plugs. If you guys would, please uh, check us out on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash two worlds podcast on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC and on Instagram at two worlds pod. And uh, if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, that's two worlds podcast on YouTube. And, uh, you know, we'd love to stay and chat, but we have to go die unexpectedly to Hella up in Asgard. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.